Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Perisphere. Together, we interview leading authorities, and we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects related to women's health. Please remember that the materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and they are for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast and today we've got uh, our special guest with us, April Wheeler-Moore. How are you, April? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. We're chatting with you guys. Excellent. Yay. And of course, um, Marika Hart, co-host of the podcast. How are you, Marika? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Beautiful. I'm out What's bed. I'm awake. What's the temperature in Perth? Oh, it's actually pretty chilly this morning, I think. It's, um, well, you know, the maximum in Perth in winter is still 20 degrees, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a minimum Celsius. last night of 23. <laughs> And a maximum today of probably 35, 36, 37. Celsius? Celsius. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty toasty. It's pretty it's toasty. It's pretty warm in Salt Lake. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's blazing here. And then you get snow as well. I know. That's not like an amazing weather system, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And April's not even from Salt Lake City. Nope. <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, April? Sure. Um, so I am a physical therapist. I have been practicing a little under two years now, so I'm fairly new um, to the field. And I am also a coach at a local gym in town, at a CrossFit gym. And I have been um, coaching for going on six years now, doing CrossFit just for fun for um, probably seven or something like that. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is kind of juggling between my professional life as a PT and then integrating that into my coaching life. That's awesome. Did you always want to be a PT? I did um, for as long as I can remember. So my uncle, um, he has passed away now, but he had cerebral palsy and just kind of growing up with him and watching his life and learning about his movement patterns and things like that. I got really interested in physical therapy. And so my first job out of school was actually in pediatrics. I wanted to do pediatrics for a very long time. And then I kind of wanted to integrate more of my athleticism. So that's, I switched over to adults and more orthopedics with adults. I still get to work with um, some kids every now and then. So that's always fun to me because I do miss that population. But mm. yeah, for as long as I can remember, it's kind of been PT. I know Auntie and I have spoken about this before, but I think being, um, uh, you know, either a fitness professional or uh, some kind of coach through physio school, I think is such a brilliant side gig because the skills that you learn from that are just so applicable for your job as a, as a physical therapist. And in retrospect, I'm, I'm kind of wishing that maybe I didn't have my jobs at McDonald's and selling shoes and things. And, and maybe <laughs> I was teaching exercise at the time because, you know, it's uh, so valuable. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to be able to, so as a coach, if you're in the middle of a workout and you feel as, you know, the instructor that you need to adjust something or kind of try something different, you don't have a lot of time to be able to do that. So it really sharpens your skills of finding that, you know, biggest point of performance. What 
how few cues can we use to make the biggest change? And I know that's a big teaching performance with you guys as well is what's the biggest bang for your buck. And so coaching really helps integrate that into my physical therapy practice as well. So we don't have to spend, you know, a ton of time of, um, trying a whole bunch of different things. It's, it's finding those very few things that make the biggest difference. So I've been practicing that a lot in the past two years. That's fantastic. I thought one of the things that our audience might like to know is about, um, you know, quite often they want to do lots of different things and they come up against health professionals that seem to want to stop them from doing whatever they want to do or change their mind into, you know, this should be more appropriate for you as an athlete, as a coach, as a health professional. How do you view those competing interests and, and desires navigating that sort of balance? Sure. So I think one of the things that I've really learned over the past few years, and especially from you guys, is like you never want to take away something that someone can do. So you want to give them as many options as possible. If they do find something that they get their familiar symptoms with, first of all, before we completely take it away, can we figure out a way to just do it differently? And I think that as in the physical therapy world, I don't see that quite as much. I see the movement being kind of the, the thing that is wrong. And instead of trying to mold it and shift it and make it look a bunch of different ways, we kind of just say, okay, well, let's just remove that for the time being. And then we go back to it and maybe that wasn't the right solution for the problem. So um, kind of working in, in the coach's mindset of, okay, well, we need to accomplish this task in some way. Maybe it looks very different, but it's still accomplishing kind of what we want to go, what, what we want to do. And then over time, we can slowly integrate and get back to that original movement instead of just removing it altogether. Because the person in the end, I think for a lot of people, if it's something that just they're really passionate about or that gives them joy, they're going to do it anyway. So working with them and figuring out that, that middle ground, I think is the biggest key. I think I can hear lots of cheering out there. <laughs> <laughs> so April, is your um, clinic actually within, within the CrossFit gym? Is that so, where your clients come from? It's not, um, not primarily. So just recently, the clinic that I work at, they integrated a CrossFit gym in the actual clinic. So that's been really interesting to see. Yeah, it's, not too common, but I think over the years, it's getting more and more common. So that's amazing. I can take someone that I'm working with and I can just walk right over and get on the squat rack or, you know, pull a kettlebell off the shelf. And a lot of, not everybody, but a lot of the people that I am working with do those things as their regular workout routine. Mm -hmm. So it's great to be able to do those things and figure out different ways to do them while we're in the clinic. I might just jump in here and just ask a question about CrossFit because I think um, I've obviously had quite a lot of conversations with Anthony about CrossFit over the years, but there might be some people who are like, what the hell is CrossFit? Like, what does that look like? Um, so do you want to just quickly describe what CrossFit is and um, what a, I know that every workout is completely different, but maybe what a workout could look like um, just for people who don't know what it is. Sure. Um, so high intensity movement. Um, what's that? It's CB, so constantly varied. 
constantly varied functional movement at high intensity. And so every day it might look a little bit different depending on the day of the week. But I think the biggest take home is constantly varied. So you're never going to be doing the same thing. You'll walk in one day and you're doing squats and pushing balls up on the wall and you'll walk in the next day and you're using barbells and then you'll come in the next day and you're running long distance and the next day you're sprinting and it's always varied um, and relatively high intensity for the person at hand. So you could have two people working out right next to each other and the workout might look a little bit differently, but they're still accomplishing the, the purpose of the workout for them specifically. So maybe one person is lifting different weights or using a different type of movement or using a kettlebell while one person is using a barbell, for instance, but they're moving in such a way that they're keeping the intended purpose of the workout for that day. So that's kind of how I fell in love with CrossFit because it was always different. I got bored at a regular gym. I got bored being alone, honestly. And so my first experience several years ago in the CrossFit gym, just having it surrounded by people, you know, people cheering you on the whole time, it's almost addicting. <laughs> and it's... it's I was going to really say, it sounds like there's a really big culture behind it and people, it, people do become addicted to it. And when you were saying before about how we want to keep people doing the things that they love and um, we also want to keep people in those environments, right? Because they're, these are their friend, their friend groups. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Even uh, we, we've uh, gone to the gym a couple of times now. And, you know, even though we're new, they hung around and they chatted to us and they wanted to know more about what we're doing. And, um, you know, you get the feeling that if a visitor just hung around, they'll do exactly the same thing. You know, it wasn't because we were coming to teach a course. We weren't really talking about that stuff. We were talking about other stuff. Yes. So, uh, so yeah. they want to bring you into the fold <laughs> yeah it's just like a family you know and and because we you know we know how to crossfit we you know we go to different gyms it's kind of like we're cousins already you know and it's like hey you're in town come visit um so you know that that real culture and camaraderie is is such a crossfit thing you know what and it happens in every sport um mm -hmm. I just love the way that lots and lots of CrossFit gyms do it. Um, mm. But it's, I think it's also important to make a distinction. There's CrossFit, the, the, the general physical preparedness program, which we call GPP, which is for the average person, you know, like definitely for me, I'm GPP. Um, me too. <laughs> Are then, you an elite? <laughs> and then there's CrossFit, the sport and CrossFit, the sport is different. Um, it's a lot more intense, tends to be a lot more volume, um, different sort of mindset, but still community based and, and integrated as part of the gym. Mm. Yeah. So given that we, um, this is a women's health podcast, do you, what's the sort of ratio of men to women in CrossFit? Is it, is it 50, 50? Are there more females than men? Do you have any idea? Or what's I'm it like where sure you train? Slightly, it's it tends to be slightly more females than males, I think, mm -hmm. around the world, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about around the world. At my gym right now, um, I would say it's probably evenly split, mm. and then a, a wide variety <clears throat> of age as well. So I think our youngest member might be um, in the teens, 
And then our oldest right now is probably mid 60s. Um, but I've seen other gyms where they have members in their 70s and even 80s. That's awesome. Well, what's, what specific things do you see more common in the female population from a physical therapy perspective? <laughs> oh, well, yes. So I, if I'm in the gym working and these are people who are also either currently seeking help or maybe they don't know that there is help, um, things like incontinence is a huge one. Um, and in my classes, if we're doing something like skipping rope, doing double unders um, or single unders, I'll see, you know, some women scurry off to the restroom and that's something that we can help out um, in terms of just women's health. That's, that's a big one. Antenatal, postnatal, diastasis, pelvic organ prolapse, pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. my, my question was going to be along the similar lines, how does being a coach with women who have pelvic floor dysfunction, for example, how does that change things for you? I think that the biggest thing is making them feel comfortable. That's always my first go-to is because I don't ever want to make a woman feel like she ever has to do anything that she's uncomfortable with doing. It's my biggest goal because if she's uncomfortable, then what's the point to begin with? Um, so kind of breaching that line, giving her a level of comfort, giving her the permission to explore options, giving her the permission to ask questions, um, to move in a way that is comfortable for her, not, not literally in forms of movement, but in terms of progression and speed with learning new things and exploring her own body and what she needs personally for that moment. Um, so just giving, giving her options, really. Um, I feel like CrossFit for a lot of people, it should look one way. So when you move, we want to look very specific and we strive for very specific movement types and movement patterns. And I'm not really like that in my coaching style. Um, I'm totally fine if others are, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But for me personally, I kind of like to give people the option of exploring their movement. So for example, in warmups. I'll have them get up and get off, get off the floor and stand up 10 different ways. So I would do the same thing with, you know, women who are experiencing anything like that of just giving them permission to explore and that it doesn't have to look one way. I know that um, traditionally a lot of CrossFit gyms have not screened clients for pelvic floor dysfunction. Do you, mm -hmm. do, you do that with um, new clients coming through now? Is there, is there a process? We don't have anything in our paperwork right now. That's something mm -hmm. that I would like to work toward, but I do make it a point to speak with the women in my gym and mm -hmm. let them know that if they ever have any kind of concerns, this is what they might be looking for. And if they'd ever like to come talk to me about their options, of maybe people that they can go see or things that they can do, I'm an open book for that. So I always like to put that out there. I was going to say, do you speak openly to the group? Like, Hey, just so you ladies know, some people experience this and it's very common, but there's lots of help out there. Um, do you kind of do that on, in a, in a group basis or do you kind of grab people one by one? So you I think works well. I know certain women who have questions and I will speak with them more one-on-one -on -one. in terms of group. I'll have men and women. And so I'll say things like, if you're feeling any type of pressure, 
in certain areas, why don't you try it this way? So I never really target anyone in class, um, but I do make it a point to say, hey, if you are feeling any kind of things, you know, that we're looking for, pressure or anything like that, come talk to me after. Let's talk about it. Let's explore. So I kind of take go about it that way. Let's talk about specific things. Like let's talk about leaking, incontinence, mm-hmm. uh, double unders, jump rope, skipping as we call it in Australia. <laughs> um, what are some of the simple things that you work on with some of your clients to help them feel like they, they can progress? Obviously working in conjunction with any health professionals that they may already have like a pelvic floor PT. Sure. Um, what is what are some of the common tips that that our audience can can try in conjunction with their health professionals? So I think that the biggest and easiest target in my classes, at least, is I am repetitively telling them over and over again, breathe. Just remember to breathe because we, as a population, I think, forget that especially when we're in the gym. So we might treat a one rep max lift the same way that we treat skipping rope, which those are very different things and they require um, different strategies. And so I'll just say something as simple as, hey, don't worry about counting. You can just breathe on this round and see how that feels different. Or maybe change your position of your chest. So instead of looking up at the wall in front of you, maybe look down at the floor, you know, farther away, and that'll change the position of their chest. See how that feels to you. Try it with breathing this time. And so mixing it up. Obviously, if they're still learning the movement, they tend to overthink things. So kind of taking a step back and don't think so much. You're you're putting too much thought into it. Just Try a couple, relax, get reset, try again. (laughs) I love that you've given a few different ideas there, April, because people seem to think that there's one way of doing it. And you work with so many women and you see it in action, like, oh, this one worked for this person. And we all want recipes and we want want this perfect way of doing things. But, you know, that's less awesome that you've given a few ideas because I do think um, you can do exactly the same thing with two different people. And one person will say, that makes me feel so much worse. And the other person will say, that feels amazing. I absolutely agree. And so that's, um, you know, how I was talking earlier about getting up and off the floor. I'll do things like that with squatting or jumping rope. I want you to give me five and then I want you to do it a different way for the next five. And you might really like one way. You might dislike another. Think about that for your workout today. And for today's workout, give this way a go. And then we'll maybe change it again next time. Love it. For and Anthony's nodding away. <laughs> I know this. This is all the stuff that I love. So <laughs> keep preaching it, sister. So for for pregnant for pregnant athletes, they either did CrossFit before or they're starting early in pregnancy, mm-hmm. which is probably less common, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What what's the what's the general advice that's often given out there and and what's your spin on on the whole situation of having a baby and doing crossfit or being pregnant and doing crossfit we'll get to postpartum in a second so i am perfectly fine if there is a pregnant woman in my class um i like to talk to them about their needs their concerns um 
and make sure that the door of communication is open so that if they are experiencing something that they don't know if it's right or if they have questions, let's talk about your options. I think that's my biggest thing is letting them know about their options because I think a lot of people don't know that they have them. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily know about women's health physical therapists or the things that they can help with. So open lines of communication for sure. Um, and then letting, talking about kind of the athlete brain of where I once was versus what I need now and what I'll need in the future and trying to understand that and accept that and get past that basic athlete brain of, oh, do what you've always done. It's fine. And um, I think as you always say, Anthony, not forever, just for now. So kind of- It's giving really those women permission, isn't it? Saying yes. it's okay. You don't have to be doing your one RM, you know, yes. now that you're 36 weeks pregnant, you know, it's, it's okay to back down. It's not a failure. Right. You are growing a baby. And I feel like in the CrossFit community, it is, you know, we just spoke about how it's family and it feels like this really wonderful community. But I do think that during times of pregnancy or, you know, early postpartum, you can feel very alone because you were once praised for these amazing feats that you could accomplish, how heavy you could lift as a woman and these uh, Olympic lifts and all of these very high high level technical things and having and needing to take a step back for yourself can make you feel very alone because you're not getting that praise really anymore. I think more people are probably praised for pushing through, keep going rather than listening to what they need in this moment. So again, giving, like you just said, giving permission that it's okay. And I am here to support you. We are here to support you. And you are awesome. Yes. You're here doing exercise in pregnancy. You're amazing. Absolutely. And what, what exercises do you find in particular that you need to modify for the uh, pregnant ladies out there? So for anyone who's pregnant at the moment who's doing CrossFit, what do you think are probably the sort of key lifts or exercises where you'd say, hey, look, let's just modify those ones in particular or even stop? Sure. Um, I think it'll be dependent on a lot of factors. It'll be dependent on the person. It'll be dependent on how far along they are in their pregnancy. Um, but some of the things that we can look at could be, you know, skipping rope, for example. Um, very, you know, maybe even rowing. Maybe it works for one woman and not so much for the other. So those are just a few. Um, hanging from the pull-up bar we can make that look different ways. You know, you don't necessarily, if you're very far along in your pregnancy, maybe we cut that out and make it look a little bit different um, and find a strategy that works really well for you. So I don't know if you have any input on that. This is all about you, April. <laughs> There's lots. There's lots. And you've covered so many of the other key points, you know. Um, there's many things that we can do to help modify things. But I think, you know, finding that zone where they're comfortable, where they feel like they get a workout, where they're not going into dangerous territory. Like at the moment, it's super hot in Salt Lake City. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to be teaching in 95 degree heat Fahrenheit. And that's hot. That's, uh, it's like 36 degrees 
And then um, and CrossFit kind of... boxes don't have any bloody air conditioning, do they? Like ever? Some you guys are hardcore. But oh, really? most of them do not. Yeah, it's expensive to heat a space as big as that. You know, it's a lot of volume. Mm. So um, so yeah, you know, being sensible. Okay, let's make sure they're in front of a fan. Let's make sure that they've got good access to water. Let's make sure that they've got you know a plan for what you're going to do when different things feel kind of weird. I think. Is at some point the trajectory of the bar coming over the belly becomes a bit of an issue as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. So then you could just swap it out for kettlebells or something. Or you can swap whatever. out kettlebells, dumbbells. And, you know, we focus a lot on being safe, but also points of performance. If you're someone who would like to implement these things post-pregnancy down the road when you're ready, um, if you're using a barbell and your trajectory changes, that's going to be something that you're going to have to work on when you come back. So there are always other ways and you don't have to mess up, you know, something that you've worked for so long. Olympic lifts are hard <laughs> and you've worked a very, very long time to, to get them down really well. And so spending months where you change something that you've just worked years on, that's something to think about. Yeah, that's and a really good point. I, I see I see two things. I see women who choose to stop once their bump puts the bar away from their body just that little bit too far. And I see women who choose to just change their technique and keep going until they deliver, essentially. And um, there was a regionals level competitor um, who I was talking to and she was telling me even eight months down the track, it is so hard to keep that bar close to her because she trained with a pregnant belly and it went around her body. And, and so now, you know, when she's doing Olympic weightlifting, the bar's drifting out super hard to, to rein mm -hmm. it back in because all that, all that training when she was pregnant and it's just a choice that you make. There's not one way better than the other. She wanted the intensity. So. You can get the intensity other ways, but you know, there's something, I don't know, there's something about a barbell that that's particularly cruel in some movements. And then other times, you know, double, double dumbbells or double kettlebells. That's just awful. You just begging for a barbell. So, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so postpartum, when, when do you find women are coming back? When do you find the ideal time to get back into what they were doing is so Always, it's gonna depend. Yeah. I think for a lot of women, they wanna get back as soon as they can, um, just because they're looking for some kind of new normal, I think. I have not had children myself, so I haven't gone through this personally, but I can only imagine the mentality that comes with it. You know, you have an infant who maybe is or is not sleeping, you're sleep deprived, and you just want to grasp at something to make you feel like your old self. And I absolutely understand that. Um, so what I see happening is, you know, around six weeks, people will have their check-in, everything looks great, let's go back to the gym, and then it is hit the road, let's go. Um, because that's what we did before, right? I'm not pregnant anymore, I can get back to it. And I think that is when we see more problems particularly arising when we're not just giving credit to the state that we're in and the, the external factors like the sleep deprivation and I'm breastfeeding maybe, um, they all make a difference. First time mother, 
you first know, time mother. Still learning the ropes. Exactly. So, um, always be sure to, you know, be in communication. If a woman is seeking treatment from a pelvic health physical therapist, be in communication with them, you know, let them know what you're doing in the gym and have that open line of communication so that you can give the best quality care to this woman that you're working with. And, um, you know, if, if they're giving, if the pelvic health physical therapist is giving her exercises, maybe you're implementing those into the workout and her workouts are just, maybe she's in the gym, she can get back into the community, but she's able to move her body in ways that work for her right now. And you're in constant communication and I think it just provides a lot better of an environment for that woman who is trusting in obviously her practitioners, but she's also trusting in you as a coach. April, do you guys run specific postnatal classes? I know some of the boxes here, they have like mums and bubs every day at 10 o'clock or something. We do not. No. Thinking sometimes that's easy, isn't it? Because if you have a whole lot of women, you can say, right, you've all just had a baby. So we're going to work on, uh, cause you can design your own workouts, right? For your box. It's not that you have the headquarters says this is today around the world or anything, right? Exactly. So it'll yeah. workouts will look different in every single box that you go to. Cool. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Um, but yes, I, I think that if there's a specific class, you do have that camaraderie because you're all going through the same thing in that same moment. And, um, we, we don't have a class like that. So if a woman comes back to regular classes, I think it's, you know, she's got to deal with that too. Everyone around her is not going through what she's going through. So it's just finding that connection again. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important to have a supportive coach, but also for the gym itself to, to promote that it's okay for you to come and sit on a bike. Yes. Right. And just do your thing, do the warm up together, do the cool down together, but during the workout, just do your thing. Like I try not to take people out of the gym at all. Um, and okay. So we're talking postnatal. Sure. You're going to have some time away, but then you know, the recommendation to walk, for example, that's cool. Turn up, say hello, go for a walk, catch up after the class, like even that. And, you know, having coaches understand why that happens and not saying, Hey, when are you coming back to class all the time? Because that's, that doesn't define you as part of our community. You are just a part of our community. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so important and then there's so much acquired wisdom in the gym just because there's just enough parents there <laughs> that it's like having tons of tons of cousins tons of uncles and aunties to give you helpful hopefully helpful advice you know <laughs> so yeah well and bringing it back to that athlete brain i think sometimes we tend to think all or nothing you know if I can't do the workout that's written on the whiteboard, then I can't go to the gym. And I want women to feel okay with, like, we have to write a workout, right? Otherwise, what are we going to do? You have to write something. But you can take that workout and make it look different. Or maybe, like Anthony just said, maybe you're coming in and you're just riding the bike today. But giving them permission to build up and whatever speed that looks like for them, that's fine. And, um, I think that it's just that if I'm, if I'm in the gym, I've got to be doing it. I think a lot of people feel that way. 
getting over yeah, that. I think we all, well, some of us have that go hard or go home kind of <laughs> mentality where we just say, well, I'm not, I, why bother going if I, if I can't do all of this? Why, you know, if I can't jump rope. Um, yeah, that can be quite hard. And I think um, as, a, as a group, I think it's really nice if everyone has the options for modifications um, within the program. I think, I think one thing that women sometimes don't want to feel is that they're being, is it by getting a modified program that everyone knows? Yes. Right? It's like, I don't want everyone to know that I can't do that because I leak or I've got pelvic organ prolapse and I don't want everyone to know that that's why I'm doing modified version. So I'm just going to push it and I'll, I'll suffer later. So how do you kind of communicate to people that it's okay to take those easier options and that everyone has to do easier options at some time um, and that it's for that period of time for a really specific reason? Because I think sometimes that's quite hard. And like even with me in martial arts, you know, some of the women have to do modified exercise and you can just see some of the other people like, why are they doing that why isn't she doing that as in my mind i'm like it's none of your business like mm-hmm. back off and do your thing and let's just do our thing but um yeah how do, how do you let people know like hey this this is okay so whenever i run my classes i start by having everybody at the whiteboard i explain what the workout is and then we write up modifications so you'll have the intended workout or the, the workout as written and then below that we have options a b c So it might be two different ways of scaling it back and then a way of scaling it up. And I always make sure to say, and I address the entire class and never point out any individuals. I might pull somebody aside and say, hey, you know, Sam, for this workout, I think that it might be best to try this. But I'll never point that out in front of the large group. Um, But I'll go over and say, we want this workout to feel this way. If you are pushing it a little bit harder than you need to be right now, you're not going to get the intended experience of the workout. And the whole reason that we're here is to get to get the experience of the way that this workout is written. And I think that's easy for people to understand. So if I'm going to get a good workout in, okay, maybe I'm not doing full plank push-ups for my knees. Maybe I'm dropping down to my knees for this one and I can hang. And I'm getting a really good workout in. Whereas if I did them from my feet, maybe I would, you know, not get as many and go a lot slower and my workout would feel completely different. So that's kind of how I approach it. Um, But it's also something that I struggle with making, I try to normalize it as much as I can, but I think it's getting the members to understand that as well, because it can't just be something that the coach says. It's something that the members have to believe as well. So I think it's just repetitive you know, speaking to them and helping them to understand and doing it over and over and over again until your members can really understand that. It's not in every gym that you get that kind of experience. You, a lot of them, you get the go hard or go home. So I think it's something that we just need to normalize and talk about um, and make it a non-issue. You know, everybody's there for the same reason. It's going to look different for everybody. So let's, let's do it. And you're playing the long game. You want, we want you to be coming for the next 20, 30 years. And I actually say that in class. You know, I, I was telling Anthony yesterday, one of my things that I try not to do is put a timeline on something. So if someone has an event or something that they need to get ready for, if we're talking about tissue healing time or things like that, that's different. But if we're talking about learning how to, you know, squat a certain way, 
let's just work on it for a while and you don't have to have a set timeline. I think we come into the gym and we automatically want butterfly pull-ups, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so that's just kind of how I approach it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I'm thinking thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yay. Thank you very much, April. Thank it's, you, guys. Um, I think it's great that you can bring such a such a, a great perspective. Um, you know, being a, a CrossFit coach for so many years, a physical therapist, and an, you know, and being in CrossFit and training cross like training with CrossFit methodology, um, just to share that and and put some people's minds at ease about return to exercise crossfit having you know such a such a uh, such a reputation i think <laughs> i think is probably the easiest way to say it and um and i think one of the beauties that i love is that it is different like it is constantly varied functional movements performed at relatively high intensity over broad time and modal domains right so in many different ways mm -hmm. for many different time periods and that's and what i love and for many different types of people yeah, many different types of people. So if somebody like me can do CrossFit and somebody like you can do it and somebody like Marika can do it, then, um, you know, and it meets the World Health Organization guidelines for minimum physical activity requirements for both pregnant women and for the general population. So it shouldn't be taken off the table. Um, Agreed. So thank you very much for being on the podcast and sharing your perspective and your thoughts. It's been, it's been fantastic. I appreciate it. I enjoyed Thanks, it. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Please be sure to hit like if you enjoyed this episode and leave any comments or questions below because we'd really love to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified of when we release a new episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.